0: Wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Prince is Charming. You can learn more about me at ZibbyOwens.com. But really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at Zcastnetwork.com and definitely check out those shows as well. Justine Bateman is the author of Face, One Square Foot of Skin. Justine is a writer, director, producer with an impressive decades-long resume in film and TV that includes a Golden Globe nomination and two Emmy nominations. Bateman wrote and produced her directorial film short debut, Five Minutes, which premiered at the 2017 Toronto Film Festival and was chosen by seven more festivals, including the 2018 Tribeca Film Festival. Violet, Bateman's critically acclaimed directorial feature film debut of her own script stars Livia Munn, Luke Bracey, and Justin Thoreau, and was an official selection at the 2021 South by Southwest Film Festival and the 2021 Toronto Film Festival. Her best-selling first book, Fame, The Hijacking of Reality, was published in 2018 by Akashic. Face, One Square Foot of Skin is her latest work. And you may know Justine as one of the stars of the old sitcom Family Ties. Welcome, Justine. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss the paperback launch of Face, One Square Foot of Skin. Thank you. Okay. Why write Face? And why did you choose to do it with this series of vignettes about different people, different people's experiences?
1: And how did you come up with this whole concept? Sure. Well, when I was writing my first book, Fame, The Hijacking of Reality, which is about the life cycle of fame, if people are interested in that, Uh, from a sociological standpoint and also from experience because I was very famous years ago. So for part of that research, I was Googling my name. I wanted to look something up and the autocomplete was looks old. At the time I was, this was um, mm, 14, 16 years ago. So I didn't yet, I didn't yet have like this or, so I, I was like, really? I was like 40, 42. Anyway, There were so many of them and just one of me. So I made a very big mistake of making them right and me wrong. And it really, it affected me more deeply and for a longer period of time than I ever could have expected it to. But so I had to, like I do with anything that pushes my buttons, I had to figure out what my, what my core fear was about it. What, you know, Oh, if people think I look old, then therefore like, what was the completion of that sentence for me? Because I knew that that was really the problem, not this skin on my face. I knew that the underlying fear was. So I wanted to get rid of that. Cause that's basically my life's goal is to get rid of all my buttons. So anybody can say anything, do anything to me. And I'll just, it'll be like the, the adults in the peanuts cartoon, you know, wah, 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 wah. I won't even understand what they're saying.
0: <laughs> do you think that that is even possible? Like, are there
1: people who don't have buttons to push? Uh, well, I have, I have eliminated an enormous number of buttons by doing this. Wow. absolutely, 100%. And honestly, I don't think someone can really become themselves until they eliminate a majority of their buttons. I just don't. Because otherwise you are people pleasing to varying degrees, but because you're acting out of, uh, I mean, I know for myself, I, I was acting out of fear make a decision based in fear, which is what Violet's about. The film I did, uh, wrote and directed and produced with uh, Olivia Munn, starring Olivia Munn, Justin Thoreau, if you want to check that out. <laughs> so, yeah. So once I, I got through what was my underlying fear with regards to my face <laughs> looking older, people just saying it looked older, whether or not it looked older at the time, I then started thinking about society as a whole, like ha- what underlying fears do we hold as a group? That are supporting this idea that women's faces are broken and have to be fixed, and at any age, like a woman at any age now, it's assumed that their face is broken and has to be fixed. So that's what the book is about. It gets into some of the possible reasons why somebody has unconsciously, consciously or unconsciously adopted a fear um, about their their face changing that then caused them to you know walk around in shame and eliminate sort of pursuing opportunities that are coming their way. Like, Oh, I can't cause I'm older, you know, that kind of thinking. Yeah. So, you know, something as simple as um, maybe for somebody it's that all the fairy tales, they not all of them, but most of the fairy tales that they read as a kid, the villain is an old woman. Now I'm not, Advocating that fairy tales go away not at all but I'm I'm saying for somebody like could that be the reason you unconsciously adopted that idea so now when you start looking older, somewhere in your mind you're going, oh wow, now I'm the villain and I don't want people to think I'm the villain so I must my must change my face perhaps that's true for somebody you know so that's what the the book goes into and it's based on my experiences and feelings on the topic and those of about 20 people I interviewed.
0: Have you thought about doing like an accompaniment called hair? Cause I'm sort of in like this fact finding <laughs> now that I have to spend all this time covering up all my gray hair. It's like a, anyone I meet who has oh. whole white hair. I'm like, okay, tell me about that. Like, why did you decide to oh. let your hair go gray? You know, cause it's an, I think it's a corollary on this, right? Cause it, it, it shows your age. Yeah, it, there are yeah. ways you disguise your age in ways you don't, but.
1: Do you follow, um, on Instagram, Mayan Zilberman? No. Mayan Zilberman. She has the most, she's in her forties, I guess. And she's had gray hair for a long time, but it's like silver. It's so cool. I I mean, I mean, I love, I love my gray hair because I think it looks like, it looks like had, like I had little silver pieces woven into my hair. (laughs) I think it looks rad. (laughs) Well, anyway, I won't go into that. I I have a whole plan for uh, the layers of color I would have in my hair if my hair went all all gray. Like, well, I mean, I can't do it yet, but if it went all gray, like I have this plan, you know, what color I would have, like the tips and this section and stuff. And I, I think it looks cool, but I mean, that's, you know, if somebody doesn't think that, then isn't that something for them to look at? Like what, what's underneath that? That's what I'm, that's what I'm looking at. What's underneath that. And then whether or not they dye their hair, whatever, but it's an opportunity to get rid of a fear that may be driving other decisions in your life that you may or may not actually want to be taking.
0: I mean, I feel like
1: part of it is like
0: just this age-old fear of mortality itself, right? Maybe,
1: I don't don't know. know. I don't, what, are you closer to death right now than you were at 20? Do you actually know that though? You don't. Because people die at 20 all the time. You could have been hit by a car at 20 and died. Or you could live to be 95 years old. You don't know. You're right. So I I always say there's two ages, dead and alive.
0: Yeah. No, I just meant I thought maybe that was like the root, not not to say. I I feel like I feel like any day could be my last. I live every day. Like I've had a lot of people die very suddenly, so I'm like, okay, well, I made it through today. That was good. Let's see how tomorrow goes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but you're right. That could be the reason for somebody. And if that is, then that's something to sort of write about, journal about, and go like. Why, do, what, how is it serving me to hold on to that idea? Like we don't hold on to ideas or fears unless some part of us feels like it's serving us. And for me, oftentimes I find it's, it's an irrational reason. It's yeah. an irrational rationale, but I need to like, and it, and I find that in writing it or saying it out loud to somebody, it allows it to begin to um, erode just by virtue of having Broken it open, you
0: know, totally, I feel like I felt the worst for Donna in all of these stories who went back to her high school reunion and had so many people like talk be so nice and like falling all over her. And then, of course, as soon as she was somewhere else and thinking that she was in the bathroom or whatever, and so overhearing guys talking about her, girls talking about her. and then, of course, turning around to being nice again. It's the worst. It's
1: well, let me tell you about that one, okay. So- for anyone who hasn't read it yet, this is a story about a woman who's, like, very famous, like Julia Roberts-level famous, and goes back to her high school reunion. And, yeah, like Zibi said, they, they, uh, they're they like, oh, my God, I can't believe you're here. This is amazing. And then she goes to go to the restroom, and on her way to the restroom, she hears some guys talking, you know, in the hall in the lo- by lockers, and, and she kind of smiles. Like, she thinks they're kind of talking about her, and then she realizes that they're they're, like, tearing her face apart. And she starts feeling pan- very panicky and then goes into the bathroom and goes into stall and like is gathering herself. And uh, and then some women come into the bathroom. They don't know she's in there. And they are at the sink having a conversation about her face. All the dialogue of what the men say in the hallway and what the women say in the bathroom is cut and paste from message boards where people were talking about my face. Stop it. Seriously? face. Yeah cut and paste. yeah. So that's what if if anybody's curious what people are saying about my face <laughs> that the Donna story is exact is ex- is exactly that was those were conversations about Justine Bateman's face. One was from like a mommy I discerned it was sort of a mommy blog kind of place and the other was from a sports related site so I assume it's all guys. Maybe it's not but I can assume that I think. Isn't it crazy how much people
0: care about your face? Or that everybody would take that there would be all these message blogs even about about it?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's something I think they should talk to their therapists about. It's kind of weird.
0: So is the comment that happens at the end where Donna sort of retaliates and like says, is that what you wish you'd said to the people in the message boards?
1: Oh, I guess it would be fun to. But the thing about that is you sure say a lot of things online that you wouldn't say to somebody's face. True. No, but you know what? I don't care. No, I think what I would say to them is just like, I feel really bad for you because I know that's what you say to yourself when you look in the mirror.
0: Mm.
1: I mean, in all truth, like not as a, not as a clapback or bullshit or whatever, but, but honestly, if somebody, you will respond to people in the same way you respond to yourself. Yes. There's so a, lot of, a lot of projection. Someone, yeah. If someone's criticizing anything about not anything about me. If someone is like giving like an honest, insightful critique of, you know, my writing or my films, maybe there's something in there. But I mean, I mean, if something's just, if someone's just being, you know, critical with no basis, then they're just telling me about themselves. They're not telling me anything about me. So true. I feel
0: like they should they should teach kids that,
1: you know, yeah. like let's start early here. <laughs> yeah. You tell the kids they're telling you about themselves. Yeah. It's the
0: same thing. Like, I don't know when you tell someone you're getting divorced or something like that and everyone's reaction, it's just like a Rorschach test for their own feelings about their own marriage. If you want to know oh. how everybody feels about their own marriage, tell them you're getting divorced and you will find out some really interesting things. Just throwing, okay. it, out, An just throwing it out there.
1: <laughs> An example.
0: No, like the people who start like sobbing. You're you know, oh. Some people just like burst into tears, many people, people who... Because
1: they're afraid that that's going to happen
0: to them next or something or what? What or do you mean? They, or they wish or they feel so trapped. They feel so trapped that like it just reflects on what they wish they could do. Do you know what I mean? Or like uh-huh. versus uh-huh. other people who are like, oh yeah, how do you feel about that? You know, uh-huh. it, just, it just says so much. I don't know. it be your Interesting. next ex- little experiment. I don't even know why we're talking about this, but anyway. <laughs> I read Face and then I, and I have the book. Obviously, it's in my hand, but fame, I didn't have the physical copy. So I was wearing my reading glasses, hashtag aging again. And I was wearing my glasses.
1: I think so I, anyway, I, I, I think like hashtag I look bitchin'.
0: Okay. Hashtag I look bitchin'. But
1: anyway, I was wearing my reading glasses and
0: downloading it on my phone. And it was so funny because it says face not recognized. And I was like, this is so perfect. <laughs> You know how, like, you couldn't, you couldn't, they couldn't see my eyes. So, all of our changing faces, it's, uh, I, I think, how everybody's handling aging, which happens to everybody, is one of the more fascinating things. So, I love how you really do a deep dive. And even the men, right? The one, the essay you had in face about uh, the, the, like, pot bellied, thin thinning hair, like attractive man being like, Oh yeah. Like I wouldn't even do her anymore. And you're like, like she would do you like what on earth? Why do you think you have that choice all the time?
1: But that's, you know, I look at, you know, I, there are a lot of things that men do that I aspire to like that men can be, just be like, like that. Like, yeah, I do her. (laughs) it's like wow that you the the confidence the assumption of ranking that that is necessary to make that kind of comment like that's some that's a that's a level of confidence like I would love to have I would (laughs) love to have that I want it I want it so yeah it's uh it's it's interesting it's really it's really interesting (laughs)
0: in fame you start off by talking about your not so fondness of memoirs although you said it in a different way but and how you just you were determined not to write a memoir and how the publishing people actually really fought against that and everybody wanted to make you write a memoir and it took a while for you to find like the right home for your book like tell me about that
1: oh sure so first it was finding a book agent and yeah like you said uh, the book agents were like I mean, at first, this was a fame was an academic version and I was, you know, I'd written this long proposal and I was, you know, I had begun writing it, of course, and uh, went around and they look at the proposal and stuff. And then they were like, wouldn't you rather write a memoir? (laughs) And I was like, no, I'm I'm writing a sociological look at the life cycle of fame, the beginning, the equilibrium and then the the fading of it. And then the without. That's what the book's about. And they're like, wouldn't you rather write a memoir? <laughs> so I'm like, no. So I kept just meeting different book agents. And finally, I met one book agent who goes, oh, I get what this is. Let's, yeah, let's do it. And he's Noam Chomsky's book agent. And I'm like, me and Noam Chomsky? In the <laughs> Come on, yes. And then same thing with the publishers. I mean, like I say in the book, you know, went around like big publishing houses and uh, yeah, same, same thing. Wouldn't you rather write, write a memoir? And I think it's, look, I'm not, I'm not that, fam- even though I've published two books, I'm not that familiar with like the book business. Like I wasn't in the book business before I didn't see it change, you know, of course I consume, you know, read books, but it seems really hard right now. Like I'm sure they'd rather have something that is, that slides into a particular genre that they're accustomed to selling. They, they know what to do with those. They know, know what the book tour is going to look like. They know which outlets do well with memoirs and et cetera. But you're like, you've got like an act, either an academic uh, version of fame, or you know, when I realized in the middle of one of those meetings, like, oh wow, I need to change the format into more stream of consciousness, more like Andres Thompson, Michael Hare, like it's kind of direction. And that's what, what it became then with, with that academic version structure underneath it, though. Yeah. And then and then same thing, you know, I met, another, I met a publisher who just goes, yeah, I, I get what this is. I, I love it. And I was like, oh, great. Well, I got to tell you, like, I don't even know what I should really have in a publishing contract because my publishers, Johnny Temple at Akashic Books, has been like everybody there has been so lovely and so their notes are so in line with what the intent is of the book. So the, the notes then just make the book better, you know, instead of making it something else. So I've never had to, I've never had to refer back to the agreement. <laughs> <laughs> That's and a good thing. That's a good thing. Yeah. It's a good thing. But then again, if, if you know, if they ever like went away and I had to have another publisher, I, I wouldn't know what I need to have. Whereas there are other situations like in filmmaking where, I have like long list of notes of like, here's what you, you know, but only because I've had like situations where I had to refer back to the agreement and then just went, shit, why don't I have this accommodation, this accommodation, damn it, damn it. Cause contracts are for when people lose their minds, not for when everyone's asking reasonably. True. I do
0: think that publishing contracts though are not the same. Like it's not like you're going to get a
1: private car or like, they're not going to put any of that stuff. No, no, no. I don't mean things like that. I mean, like deadlines, um, approval of the cover art, approval of the, the blurbs, uh, approval of the, the tour plan, you know, uh, the press. I mean, all, all this kind of stuff that makes like, if I had a different cover, I mean, Sure, there are, there are a multitude of other covers I could have had, but there's so many covers where they're not, indi- you know, I say that you can tell a book by its cover. I think you can tell the marketing team by the cover, <laughs> but but what's inside the book might be really good, but the cover is shitty, yeah. so you can pick it up, or the cover's really great, and you look inside, and you're like, hmm, good marketing campaign. <laughs> but-
0: sure. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelpcom moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H E L P.comslash
1: moms don't have time.
0: So, were you involved in doing the cover or did you have
1: choices? No, yeah, I designed the cover of both the books. I went to a plastic surgeon and uh, asked him to give me a consultation and then to mark up my face the way with whatever he was going to do to, if, you know, if I was going into surgery. Yeah. And then my friend, uh, Steven Myers-Dominguez took the picture and, uh, he took the author picture as well. Yeah. And then this around here with this kind of font to me suggests you're in a hole and you're being stepped on. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, that was the idea behind that.
0: I love it. Well, it came off looking great. It's really awesome. Thank you. I think it matches the content, if you want my humble opinion.
1: Yeah, right, right. Yeah. That's what you that's what you want, right? You want it to (laughs) match this is what you're gonna get. This kind of style, this kind of message. So yeah, make it make it easy for the the reader. Like, what are we diving into, right?
0: So I feel like it's interesting in both face and fame, you're taking things that other people take for granted, right? And you're just like stepping back. Like I feel like you're like zooming out and taking stock of the whole thing. Like, okay, here's my face, but let's talk about face and aging. Like here's my fame, but really I'm more interested in like what makes a person famous or why, what is it giving all the people who have, who have other famous people to revere? And like, why is it like a crush? And what is it, what is it doing for them? Right. So mm-hmm. I feel like you must do this with everything in your life. Like what else do you zoom out and think about like that?
1: That's funny that you say that. No, ever since I was a kid, I've always, you know, I've, Looked at, somebody, looked at somebody and just wondered about like, wow, why did they just stand like that? Or, or i look at somebody's clothes, like their sweater and go like, okay, at some point they didn't have that sweater, <laughs> but then did they see that sweater in a picture and they said, I want to buy that sweater or were they just out shopping for sweaters and they found it or were they not shopping for sweaters, and they saw it, and they're like, you know, in person, and then did they try it on, or did they get it immediately, or if they did try it on, did they try and go like, wow, this makes me look like, you know, fill in the blank, and now every time they put the sweater on, does it make them feel that way, or did somebody leave that sweater at their house, and they wear it because, they feel guilty that they're not nice to that friend anymore. And by, you know what I mean? Like there's all, there's so many reasons for everything, or there's this kind of a story behind everything. So yeah, I do trip out on that. Or there's other things like if science is interesting to anybody, you know, you can really trip out on shit with science. Like, I don't know, cloud formation or, or, the content of the air, or I don't know. You just go like, oh my God, you know that. Or you start thinking about like what's under the streets. Yeah. Systems that are under the streets. And if you've ever played like a Sims game or something, we have to set up a world, you know, the infrastructure under the streets. Yeah. There's a, a lot of interesting stuff. Or like, if you look, if you're in a flower store, you just look at all the different flowers. If it was your job to come up with different flowers, would you have come up with all these combinations of, I mean, some of them are just crazy, <laughs> crazy. Like, you know, the, I forget all the names of the of flower parts, but let's just the centerpieces that have the pollen on them. Okay. I know somebody's going to put in the comment. Okay. It's okay. I'm not, you know, but that there's some flowers where at the tip of each one of those little you know, long pieces, there's another little flower at the, at the top of each one of those. <laughs> is, it like,
0: called a, is it called a stamen or did I just totally make that word up? I think I might've just made that up. Well, anyway, whatever. It doesn't matter.
1: Right. That might be right. I don't know, but yeah, yeah.
0: it's crazy. But
1: yeah, I do. And I, and I love like, I love learning about little pockets of our society, like the rodeo circuit. I dated someone who was a rodeo cowboy once and, and, um, that whole, that's a whole society, a whole world. I love how you just threw that in.
0: I mean, that could be a whole oh. book in and
1: of, in and of itself. <laughs> Dating a oh, rodeo cowboy. But anyway, keep going. That's my private life. <laughs> so, no, no, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, there's so many things. I mean, I could go on and on and on about. I was just at a Chanel fashion show that my friend works at Chanel. And so that's how I got an invite. <laughs> I think it's pretty hard to get those invites. And I was talking to these women who collect Chanel clothes and, you know, accessories and purses and everything. And it was really interesting. Like, they eat, they're like curators of these little, these little tiny museums, you know what I mean? Of all these like really beautiful, beautifully constructed, you know, they're like, it's like being a car collector or something, you know, when you're collecting something like that, that that, that's that well-made and has that kind of history. And yeah, I love pockets of, which I mean, which is good news for me as a screenwriter, because I love doing research. Like I'm writing a script right now where um the research was pretty interesting in the, into the uh influencer world.
0: Oh, that sounds um, good. Yeah. And the research was really interesting. Have you listened to Joe Piazza's podcast Under the Influence? Mm-hmm. You should you should you should listen to it. It's really it's really good. She goes sort of underground and like finds all these influencers and does a whole podcast. And I remember listening to it when I had COVID and like in like my Haze, I was like, oh, that's cool. Like to know it. Maybe I should apply. You know, this is a couple of years ago. I was like, this sounds fun. Like, you know, and then like totally forgot about it. And then months later, I get some email like, congratulations, you've been. Excited. I was like, what? I was like, oh my gosh, was that when I was listening to Joe's podcast? Oh,
1: you applied?
0: <laughs> I applied. So now I have a. Now I'm a. Now I have a thing. I don't know. But well, really you too are an
1: infomercial salesman.
0: I, I, I am. I am an influencer. I, I am. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> I am. Everyone's a salesman.
0: And by the way, I saw this sweater in a store when I was not shopping and I was like, that's cute. And I did not try it on, but I always remember it because I was walking around with my husband that day and I remember exactly where I was and how it was a beautiful sunny summer day. And I think back and remember that wonderful moment every
1: time I wear my sweater. And you are, you are a collection of all the books you've read. Yes. Your sweater and its multitude of colors is a collection of everything behind you. That's true. I matched
0: today. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What's coming next for you? What what's the next exciting thing? Um,
1: we're casting right now the film version of Face. So Face cool. is short stories. So I adapted 14 of them. And I'd love to do a a series after the film that does that films the rest of them. That would be cool. So that's coming together right now. And I'm also, like I said, writing that script, that influencer script. And then I have a bunch of other scripts that I'm, you know, are in varying stages of inching forward. But it's really a process, you know, every film, every film, every book, every song. I mean, well, I don't know that much about the music world, but like a lot of work went into not only the project itself, but getting it made. I mean it's a it's a long slog you know sometimes you see these people you know accepting oscars and they say you know they're like oh you know wiping the tears away they're like this took 10 years to make and you know not that many people can relate to it unless you've had to do that yourself imagine you just like hammer at it like every day every day every day I guess sometimes it could be two steps forward, one step back. But my my experience with film producing is that it's it's not two steps forward, one step back. It's half a step forward and then a quarter step forward and then half a step forward and a half a step forward. And you're just like, why is this taking so? Long? <laughs> but you know, it's it's worth it. I mean, I really don't have any choice. This is my path, you know. Well, at least you got into the very speedy world of book publishing as a as a backstop. Well, that I mean. Yeah. And that one too. I mean, at least that one, I guess, cause I'm, you know, I have like a great situation with, with my publisher and my agent, that one just is like a, a tremendously long lead time, you mm-hmm. know, yes. it's like, yes. great. We got it. You know, we've gone, we've gone back and forth and back and forth and on getting it in, in, you know, in shape editorially and it'll be released in a year. You know, it's like yes. that, yes. that. kind of You're like, Oh, okay. Um, yeah. We'll start the press in six months or, you know, So long lead time, but, but it's very satisfying. It's very satisfying. I mean, and I would, you know, for whatever it's worth, I I would say to anybody who's making something, you know, whether it's a, a book or a film or song or whatever, it's like, I would say, be mindful of, of compromising because I mean, if somebody's, you know, and this is actually a quote from my brother, Jason, he, I was telling him about some notes someone gave me on my script and I'm like, I'm like, this is just so like, it's like they didn't read this, like they gave notes on the script without even reading it. Like they don't even understand what it's about for them to have given a note like this. And he said, there are two kinds of notes, notes that make your your film better or your book or whatever, and notes that just make it different. Mm. So I would say like, if you're trying to accommodate, or maybe it's not even notes to say, but it's like, if you're trying to please The majority of people, if you're trying to make it a bestseller, if you're trying to do this, you're trying to do that and you know you are sacrificing the true direction that the book or the film wants to be. You may think you have one problem in that, you know, maybe your film or your book isn't going to be a bestseller or something. Right. But if you if you betray the project, you will you then potentially have two problems. Maybe you still won't, it still won't be some, you know, New York times best um, bestseller list. And you put a project out there that is not only not indicative of your work, but a betrayal of what you knew the project was supposed to be. And to me, I just think creatively, like it's almost unethical creatively, mm-hmm. you know, absolutely what a project needs to be. And then if you betray that and send out something that's like half baked, yeah. I mean, if you're an artist, you know, if you're, if you're somebody that, I mean, if you're somebody who's like not, and you're like an accountant or whatever, and you're, you're just putting a book out there, you know, have at it. But if you're an artist and you, you have a feel for it and you betray it, don't do it. You And you would have to live with that for the rest of your life. Cause it's going to be out there for the rest, not only the rest of your life, it's going to be out there forever. And you will never have delivered the thing that you were sort of charged with delivering. I love that.
0: No pressure for anyone. But yeah. Anyway, I'm kidding. No, No, I know. You're right. You're right.
1: Yeah. I guess the pressure would be like, you know, just deal with your fear. Like, oh, no, I'm afraid it's not going to be a big success. Well, odds are, I mean, what do you consider a big success? Right. If you're faithful to that project and you get it out the way you know it needs to get out, that's massive success. Agreed. Agreed. But if you're just eyeing like, oh, I want to make sure I sell, you know, 20,000 copies in the first week or something. I don't know. To me, that's not an accomplishment. This was so much fun. Thank you.
0: <laughs> I had a really good time. Thanks for talking about face and fame. And maybe the next one will be clothes, maybe not hair, but I don't know. I'm going to follow. And I, I want more of these bird's eye views on on things we all think about every day. I
1: think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, Violet is about the fear that that causes you to make decisions that take you off track so there's there's one there and then the third book is going to be about my experience of going to college as a freshman at 46 so like
0: rodney dangerfield
1: <laughs> exactly like rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> so funny
0: oh my gosh so cool i can't wait to read well thank you for the time and uh, and all of it thank you that was fun thank you okay take care bye